what does complimentary football look like for the Oklahoma Sooners? Because it's going to be a lot different than what others think. And we'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. And Josh, Oklahoma spring ball is underway. And earlier this week, we kind of touched on some of Brent Venable's comments about the Oklahoma Sooners needing to be better playing complimentary football. And I know a lot of times, you know, that kind of gets thrown out in a lot of different ways and it's discussed in, in a variety of ways. And it can look a lot different uh, depending on the team that you're looking at and, and talking about, you know, you go back to the, you know, 2000 Baltimore Ravens and what does complimentary football look like for them? Trent Dilfer, just don't turn the football over Jamal Lewis, run the football, pick up first downs. Don't turn the football over and let the defense do what the defense do. Uh, you know, Peyton Manning and, and the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, we're going to go up-tempo. We're going to grind the clock away. And defense, just don't give the ball away. Like, don't don't give the game away for us. We're going to score points. Just don't give it away. But for the Oklahoma Sooners, Josh, what does it look like to play complementary football? Because the offense and the defense might look a little bit different. We don't really know what the strength of this team for 2023 is going to be. And so it's hard to really envision what complimentary football can look like for this team. Basic definition for me, stringing possessions together, offense and defense. And I think if you go back, we've talked about this. If you go back and even I'll point to one game in particular. Okay. The Texas tech game to close the regular season. You, you look at uh, how the thing starts for Oklahoma touchdown touchdown while meanwhile you've got fumble punt 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 the first couple of possessions defensively for you then all of a sudden it's it's the opposite right downs field goal punt for Oklahoma while meanwhile you you give up a score uh touchdown touchdown field goal touchdown at the end of the half for Texas Tech and we could do this we could do this little exercise probably for a lot of different games last season for Oklahoma that uh, those final couple of possessions, that first half, interception and punt for Oklahoma against uh, Texas Tech. So to me, it's it's very basic when I hear complimentary football. I don't really subscribe, John, to the idea that well, Oklahoma needs to run the football more and chew up more clock to keep the defense off the field. Just get first downs, be more efficient, and you know what? In the instance where maybe uh maybe you go pass 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 incompletion 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 and you give it right back to your opponent get a stop right there that's complimentary football to me so i i look at it a little bit less in the sense of how oklahoma needs to operate in terms of the the way that they go about maybe their play calling john to me it's all about are you executing consecutive possessions together offensively and defensively and Frankly, the answer for Oklahoma last year was, by and large, 
six and seven? No, they weren't. Yeah, there was a rare occurrence where Oklahoma would get a stop and then Oklahoma would go down and score, or they'd get a turnover and then they'd just drive it down and score. Those are like key moments in games where if you get the if you get the ball for free from a team, that's when you kind of put the dagger in their heart by going and scoring a touchdown on that next drive, not going three and out, not, you know, four and out and turning it over on downs at midfield. Like that's some of that. Uh, complimentary football is going to look a little bit different for Oklahoma than it might look for other teams because Jeff Levy's identity as an offensive coordinator is to play fast. They're never going to win the time of possession battle unless it's one of those games where their defense is just absolutely dominating and forcing the other team to go three and out every possession or every other possession. It's just not going to happen because you're going to, you know, even a 75 yard drive, even if it goes seven plays, that might only take them three minutes of game time or less. And so the idea that maybe, okay, we need to win the time of possession battle. I feel like that's rarely, rarely going to happen. And that's not going to be the identity of the Oklahoma Sooners offense under Jeff Levy. That being said, I mean, there are ways in which Levy can kind of manufacture possession time a little bit just by doing the Peyton Manning thing, getting to the line of scrimmage early in the down, and then just letting the clock run as you analyze what the defense is looking at, as opposed to just getting there, calling the play, snapping. So there are ways to kind of manufacture some of that time of possession stuff, but still, I, I don't think that that's what Jeff Levy wants to, wants to do offensively. And Brent Venables has given him the keys to the offense. So by and large, that's what Brent Venables wants the offense to look like. Are there going to be situations where they got to play it a little bit differently? Probably fourth quarter of games, you know, you're up big in the third quarter. You might slow things down a little bit, but generally speaking, they're going to play fast and they're going to play fast throughout. But it, a lot of it comes back to what you mentioned, playing efficiently, converting third downs. Get When you get into the red zone, scoring touchdowns, not settling for field goals. Maybe not going for as many fourth down tries, you know, when it's fourth and four or greater at midfield, playing the field position battle, getting your de- not, not forcing your defense to play with a short field, that and that some of that is coaching. You know, we love the aggressiveness that Brent Venables is coaching with. That's great. But also when your defense is struggling, maybe don't give the opposing offense half the field to work with. Maybe make them drive it 80, 90 yards. That that could be that's complimentary football, too, in that the coaching staff understanding game situation, understanding the the weaknesses or the strengths of your team, and then being able to adjust depending on the given situation of the game at the other, on the other side of that, I'm going to argue with myself here. If you know, your defense isn't good enough, you got to maximize every single possession too. And so going forward on fourth down is an attempt to do that, maximize every possession in which you can potentially get points. This is again, probably pretty basic for a lot of people, but John, how do you play complimentary football? Well, you get better both sides of the football on third downs. If, if I told you that Oklahoma surrendered third down conversions to their opponents more often than they converted third downs, you'd probably say, hmm, it's not, not a great recipe to be particularly successful. That's who Oklahoma was last season. And, and it was close, but it shouldn't be close if you're a really good football team, which, again – it's uh, obvious Oklahoma was not was not that it felt like they were close in spots, but ultimately the the numbers and the statistical data, they, they are what they are. And they don't, generally speaking, 
over the course of a season. They might over several possessions or whatever, John, in, in a particular game maybe lie. But over the course of a season, the stats probably tell a pretty accurate story and paint a pretty accurate picture. And what does it paint? 40.5% of the time, 49th nationally, Oklahoma converted offensively on third down. 40. 0.9% of the time they allowed their opponents to convert, which is a terrible, terrible third down uh, conversion percentage defense. So to me, complimentary football, again, I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. Uh, you know, I, I think I've said to start philosophically myself and others will disagree with this. I don't know that I put a ton of stock into every, every so often you absolutely just have to, slow the game down you have to run the football more to me execute better you know but there is a little bit of of give and take to where I'll, I'll agree with you on the front that you do have to feel the game as well right there is an understanding and I think at times that was lacking from Jeff Levy and it's fair to criticize that to where it's look things are not going particularly great right now it's okay to chew up an extra 15 20 seconds on the uh, the play clock so while Kind of my overarching philosophy, John, generally speaking, I'm very much, well, be better on third down, execute better. I do agree in the just in-game management portion, not necessarily the play calls themselves, but the the in-between. It's like every once in a while, have a feel that it's okay to burn a couple more seconds. Yeah, and, and then I think that's a communication thing between your head coach, your defensive coordinator, and your offensive coordinator saying, Brent Venom was getting in Levy's ear a little bit and just saying, hey, on this one, let's you know, let's run it on first down, chew up some clock, let's see what happens. And and really, I mean, if you're the offensive coordinator, your goal is you're trying to score every possession. You're not out there that time of possession doesn't matter. Scoring points is what matters. And so I, I get why he wouldn't necessarily be concerned with that. At the same time, it's about just being aware just situationally aware. And that's all it is. And that's not to say that Jeff Levy did a bad job. I think he did a pretty good job this past year. They scored 35 points per game. It was a, it was an okay, a pretty good season um, for the Oklahoma Sooners offense had a chance to be better. Uh, you take that Texas game out. And I mean, well, can't take the Texas game out because they did not have themselves adequately prepared for that game at the quarterback position. But uh, Josh, we got a few comments here from coaches that we want to discuss here in a second. Um, one in particular about Jackson Arnold and maybe knowing what it's like to be the guy or knowing what he needs to do to be the guy and how important that might be for the Oklahoma centers. But first let's talk about FanDuel, Josh. FanDuel past the midway point of the NBA season. We're really, I don't even know if that's the accurate description anymore. We're home stretching the NBA season. Now. I mean, the playoffs are right here, Oklahoma city, the thunder, they're right in the, uh, the mix for that, which, uh, locked on Oklahoma City, uh, the Thunder. Check that out. The uh, NBA season, home stretch, perfect time to download the FanDuel app. That's America's number one sports book and the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, super easy to use. New customers, no sweat, first bet up to $1,000. You can bet on everything that you like money line, point scores, threes drained, probably you name it. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on. FanDuel.com backslash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
So the Jackson Arnold hype, does that uh, begin in earnest throughout this spring? I mean, it's probably already here, right? The Jackson Arnold hype. So maybe that's silly, but uh, I do think maybe, right? It ramps up a little bit just with uh, each passing day and each press conference response that we get. Brent Venables didn't uh, necessarily pour a bunch of water on the flames of excitement for what Jackson Arnold's future will be in Norman when you had that first day of newcomers and he said, eh, this, this guy's uh, – he's at the back of the line, but he's not going to be there for very long. And now Jeff Lebby, John, has uh, similarly, I don't know, fanned the flames. Yeah, so Jeff Levy, speaking after practice, um, said this about Jackson Arnold. He said he's come in, he's picked everything up, and he's worked incredibly hard. He's spent a lot of time building on his own. He understand what it, understands what it means to be the guy here and understands what it's going to take for him to get to that point. And I, I read those quotes, and I, I, I like him in concert with what Venables had to say in that Okay, he he understands kind of his position in the hierarchy of the quarterback room at the moment, but also understands that nothing's going to be handed and he's going to work for everything. And I think it just kind of fits, oh, pardon me, fits with what we kind of learned about Jackson Arnold over the final two years of his high school career. Like he he started, he didn't start as a sophomore in high school, had to sit behind, you know, the starter at Geyer, then played two seasons, got better from his junior to senior year. But in that offseason between his junior and season, senior season, he won the Elite 11 MVP, earned five-star status, was an Under Armour All-American camper after his senior year, won the Gatorade National Player of the Year. Like He kept building and, and kind of growing his own um, kind of recruiting stock a little bit just through the work that he was doing and, and everything that was going on and had a better senior year than he did a junior year, which his junior year was phenomenal. And so I think it's just kind of continuing that trend of a kid who seems pretty humble and seems like a dude that just wants to be about the work and kind of lay low. And I mean, I, I think back to our conversation with him you know, back in the summer of 2022 and just, you know, just not a very boisterous kid, just very kind of understated. And, you know, like it was just about the work and that's what he wants to be about. And this kind of all continues to fit in with, what we've learned about Jackson Arnold along the way is who he is now. And and I think that's key for Oklahoma as not just for 2023, but looking even ahead that, I mean, his first season in which more than likely he'll be the starter at Oklahoma will be Oklahoma's first season in the sec. That's no small task to go from, you know, not playing in a year and then playing at arguably the highest level of college football. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a big step up with uh, all due respect to Denton Geyer and the understanding that Texas high school football, of course, is no joke in the you know grand spectrum of high school football. We know Texas, California, Ohio, Florida, there's a couple of states, right, that you would put right at the, the top of the depth chart, and Texas might be in front of all of them in terms of high school football and the, the competition that he saw at Denton Geyer. He's well prepared, probably better prepared than a lot of folks coming to uh, to college uh, campuses just because of, again, who he played in high school. But it's a step up and uh, it's an adjustment and there is a lot of hype around him. He's a five star kid that, like you said, 
ha- has continued to work. I'm not surprised to hear Jeff Levy say this about him, but uh, it's good for him. It's good for him that he's got just this this little bit of a safety net coming in with Dylan Gabriel, and he's not totally thrown into the fire here. He's he's got somebody that he can learn from. That's that's played a lot of good college football, John. So I'm not none of this surprises me. Um, it obviously there's going to be a lot of expectations upon him. There already are. Those will only continue to grow. I think with each positive comment that is made, I think he's going to live up to those uh, expectations when that time does come to pass. I don't think it's uh, right here and now in 2023, but uh, I do think he's going to continue to, we're going to hear some, some nice things throughout the spring. And then I think when the spring game comes, he's probably going to wow us a couple of times in the spring game. Yeah, that that fever pitch won't slow down when the spring game comes. I just think, yeah, he's going to it's it's not going to be like last year's spring game where once kind of Dylan Gabriel came out, you didn't really have much to speak of from a pat in a passing game sense. No disrespect to Micah Bowens, Ralph Rucker, Nick Evers. But I mean, really, the passing game kind of went away aside from a big Jaden Gibson, you know, uh, score. I think this year, instead of seeing Dylan Gabriel quarterback both teams, you're more than likely going to see Dylan Gabriel on one side of things and Jackson Arnold on the other. And you're going to see maybe a little bit more like actual competition between the two sides. And uh, the Jackson Arnold thing will not slow down. The the hype will not slow down, but I do think that um, getting the opportunity to kind of sit and watch it, it benefited. He talked about how much it benefited him at Geyer being able to sit behind the varsity quarterback, learn, watch what he did, how he went about his business. And then when he, when his time came, he was ready to step into it. The same is going to be the case here. He's getting to sit behind a veteran quarterback who understands Jeff Levy's offense remarkably well, and is going to be able to kind of impart that on Jackson. And then Jackson gets, gets the opportunity to grow and develop and build a rapport with the wide receivers that are going to be his guys, you know, down the road. Uh, It's, it's all good things. It's all gravy, baby. Um, Speaking of, you know, things that, uh, coaches had to say about players Emmett Jones man he is a great uh, quote um, and here's what he had to say about Drake Stoops this is a, Oklahoma's new wide receiver coach he said about Drake Stoops I'd walk into any South Dallas alley with him uh, and if you're not familiar with South Dallas it's you know yeah it has a reputation. If you're from the area it's kind of a rougher area. I worked in the surgical trauma ICU down in South Dallas and had fair share. This was back in 2005, 2006, 2007, fair share of like gunshot wounds coming into our ICU and stabbings from that area. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty dark, rough neighborhood. So what is that saying about Drake Stoops? The dude is tough and he doesn't flinch. Cause that's the guy you want walking down a dark alley in South Dallas with you. Well, and again, fitting for Drake Stoops because he is tough, tough as nails and consummate sooner consummate sooner uh fits sort of just the mold i think of what oklahoma fans envision uh, great oklahoma suitors to be which is incredibly hard working again tough and uh bought in to- totally bought into who who and what uh, oklahoma is has had a fabulous career he'll obviously have uh, one final really productive season at ou i have no doubt about that uh, need other wide receivers to join him in uh, not necessarily in any South Dallas alleyways, but uh, need some wide receivers to join him in the production department because, uh, you know, Drake Stoops, great possession receiver, feel like he's got 
you know, for Oklahoma on this team, the the surest hands probably of anybody they've got in the wide receiver room. That was the same way uh, when I was broadcasting his games at Norman North. You throw it Drake Stoops' direction, he's coming down with the football, but he needs uh, he needs some help. But look, Drake Stoops, I mean, he's uh, this is who he is. He he is tough. He's very productive. He's been a terrific Sooner, and I'm I'm not surprised to hear Emmett Jones say that as soon as he gets on campus. And and they're gonna, they're going to need him to have a big year, given the fact that you have Jalil Farouk that's now kind of like your wide receiver one, and you're still trying to figure out who that other outside wide receiver is. You kind of need that dude. You need Drake Stoops to have an even bigger year and make a bigger impact. Uh, and hopefully him and Dylan Gabriel will be on a, a, a better page uh, this season because there were times, like with a lot several of the wide receivers, there were just some miscommunications at times uh, between Stoops or – yeah, between Stoops and Gabriel, but I think they'll iron those things out ahead of what will probably be another really productive uh, 2023 season. Coming up next, we got Big 12 softball action getting underway this weekend. Oklahoma takes on Iowa State. We'll just talk about the Big 12 and where they stand uh, just as a conference in the landscape of college softball and where Oklahoma is headed uh, but first, I'm going to talk to you all about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried it, you're missing out. It tastes great. It's great for you. 100% covered in chocolate, low calorie, low carb, high in protein, and also low in sugar. I mean, seriously, four or five grams of sugar, only four or five grams of carbohydrates, but anywhere up to 17 grams of protein. So many great flavors from the peanut butter brownie, the coconut almond, which are some of my personal favorites, mint brownie. You can put that one in my hand every single day and I'd Man, I, I love the mint brownie one. It's so good. It's Girl Scout season right now. So if you love a thin mint, get you a mint brownie built bar because it, it has that thin mint taste to it without all of the extra sugar that you'd get with the cookie. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your next order over at built.com, or you can check them out. They got them at Sam's, Walmart. If you have a local Walmart, local Sam's, go hit them up, find your built bar. Give it a try. You won't be disappointed. Again, built.com, promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at built.com. So, Josh, Big 12 softball season is upon us. The Oklahoma Sooners right now 27-1 and in the midst of a 19-game winning streak after losing the 4-3 game to Baylor in non-conference action earlier in the season. But the Sooners, I mean, they've got several teams that are going to really be uh, challenging them in Big 12 play and, and really for national title contention in Oklahoma State uh, and Texas and Baylor. It's a pretty strong conference this year. It is, yeah. You've got, uh, well, you've got Oklahoma State right toward the the top of the rankings at number two. You've got Texas a little bit off the pace at eighth and Baylor uh, in part by virtue of that win over Oklahoma right there at number 22. That's at least the ESPN.com USA softball poll. And I know there's, there's other polls out there, but uh, that's just one look at it. And of course you got Oklahoma at the the top of the pack of everybody nationally. So uh, it's a, yeah, it's a good league with those four. And there's probably a little bit beyond that. Uh, I don't expect or anticipate that Oklahoma is going to get altogether tested this weekend. John, do you know, how many how many in a row OU's won over Iowa State? Uh forever in a row. <laughs> yeah. It's 44 straight wins wow. over Iowa State. The last loss was all the way back and knock on wood, people, if you're you know a superstitious kind of fan here. 
last loss all the way back April 22nd, 2006 did happen in Ames, but this Cyclones team, they're 11 and 14. Uh, I, I don't think that this sets up for Iowa state necessarily to, uh, be altogether competitive versus Oklahoma, but it's a, you know, nice little start to big 12 play. We'll see how it goes. There's the Friday date. And then now, uh, there's a Saturday doubleheader, John. Yeah. And elsewhere in the big 12, a huge opportunity for a big time pitching matchup with Baylor traveling to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma state. You're if, if we don't get Dariana Orme and Kelly Maxwell playing, you know, pitching against one another, then what are we even doing? Why do we even have this sport? Why are we, you know, airing it on TV? Like that's, that is like Pedro Martinez versus pick a Yankee starter, Andy Pettit. Like that is the matchup we got to see this weekend. It's going to be must see television. Uh, it's, it's going to be a really strong, you know, Texas is going to be hosting Texas tech. Who's off to a really strong start this year as well. So, I mean, a lot of really good softball matchups coming up this weekend. Uh, in the Big 12, so make sure you're tuned in. You're going to get to see Oklahoma on ESPN Plus all weekend long in all three games. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to see a lot more Kirsten Deal in this one, uh, given it's Iowa State, probably save the 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 top three arms a little bit uh, this weekend, not, not overexpose them. Uh, but speaking of Oklahoma State, I mean, we talked about Oklahoma's big-time win over Florida State last week in the midweek. Oklahoma State picked up a series win, a, a two to one series win over the Florida State Seminoles in Stillwater. So, like, remember, this is a team that won the Big 12 regular or the Big 12 tournament title last season over the Sooners. So it, it's it's going to be quite a challenge uh, to keep the Cowgirls from from catching up or or from overtaking Oklahoma. Uh, the Sooners we know are a great team, but Oklahoma State's narrowing that gap just little by little every single year. Seems that way. Yeah, they've they've obviously Kenny Gajewski's done a really really nice job with that program. Uh, you you got to beat the you got to beat the top dog, right? To to be uh, you know on top of the mountain, and they did that once. Did, did that that once last year, but uh, generally speaking, I, I don't know. I, I mean, even even what the with the rankings being what they are, and with Oklahoma State doing what they did to Florida State, this is maybe naive, but because of the familiarity almost feels like they're less of a threat to Oklahoma. If that makes sense, then some of the other folks nationally, they, they have closed that gap though. And uh, you know, to some degree, that's probably a little bit disrespectful to Oklahoma state. Uh, they should be commended for everything that they've done, but they've got to show me later this season that they, they truly have completely closed that gap on Oklahoma because it doesn't feel like to me necessarily that they have If push came to shove. I would favor favor Oklahoma heavily over Oklahoma State in a women's championship series, for example. Yeah, and one more note on Oklahoma softball. Uh, just before we get out of here, Jada Coleman was named Big 12 Player of the Week. Only her second time to be named Big 12 Player of the Week in her career. Um, just a, another phenomenal uh, week for her at the Hall of Fame Classic. She hit 600 with two home runs, two doubles, a triple, and nine RBIs. Uh, I mean, her slugging percentage is almost a thousand and she's getting on base almost seven, 70% of the time. Like she's having, she's been really, really good. She's been one of the best players in college softball, but she's at this, she's on this pace where she's having a national player of the year type season uh, for Oklahoma this year as you know, the leadoff hitter and arguably one of the best defenders in all of softball. 
she's been incredible. Uh, obviously, we've discussed it. Has to be in the mix for National Player of the Year, what she's doing. The uh, you know latest weekly award. I don't know who else you could even consider to have given it to. She's incredible. She's been incredible. But uh, when you're playing with Jocelyn Allo, sometimes that gets maybe a little bit overshadowed when Jordy Ball at times has done what Jordy Ball did for a, a large portion of last season. There's just there's great players that have been around Oklahoma, and she's gotten overshadowed just a little bit. But uh, obviously, I mean, she's incredible. She's been my favorite player throughout all of these last couple of seasons to watch, John, just because, again, she does it at both the plate and out in the field as well. She's electric in the field. I feel like she could play anywhere that you wanted to play her defensively and probably be really good at it. So, no, she's incredible. I love watching her play. She is uh, just so fun with her speed and athleticism, and the bat has some pop to it. She's a superstar. It's incredible. Yeah, she is, and and a lot of fun to watch. And don't look now, but Tiara Jennings is getting hot. Kenzie Hansen, I mean, she's tied for second uh, on the team in RBIs, but has only played in 18 of the 28 games. So who knows where her ceiling is for the rest of the season, but she is back. K9 is back. So get ready for a great weekend. Again, ESPN Plus, you can catch all the Sooner softball action this weekend. Uh, against Iowa State up in Ames. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in, being part of the show. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. Follow Josh at Josh on Ref, myself at John Nine Williams. And until next time, Boomer Sooner.